Lord, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would speak to us now. Open our hearts that we can receive today the message that you have for us. Help my words to bring honor and glory to you. Lord, may we be built up uh, through the truth of your word and the power of your Holy Spirit. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hosanna to the Son of David. Hosanna, once again, term that simply means save us now. God saves. He saves by his grace. He saves by his mercy. But oftentimes we look in all the wrong places for salvation. People like to jump onto political bandwagons. And they think that the solutions to society's and humanity's problems are found in politics. As a bit of a weird kid, I think, as I reflect on my childhood. I love to uh, look at all the pictures of the presidents. And I was really interested in, in politics at a very young age. I'd, I'd watch uh, these people run for office and I would listen to them make promises and I would watch people jump onto these political bandwagons but only to change their tune uh, down the road. Wavering loyalty within politics. Wavering loyalty. That's what we're talking about today. Wavering loyalty versus unwavering loyalty. Our loyalty is wavering. Our loyalty is fickle. I believe that on that first Palm Sunday, the people put their hope in Jesus, not in uh, Jesus as a Savior from sin, but in Jesus as a Savior from political oppression. Uh, the, the people of Israel did not like the Romans reigning in Jerusalem. And Jesus, he, he is the rightful heir to the throne of David. So the people shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. They recognized David as the rightful heir to the throne. But they weren't looking for a savior from sin. Jesus didn't come as a political or military leader who would save his people from the tyranny of Roman oppression. Jesus came to save the world from the tyranny of sin, of death, and of hell. Jesus would not sit on an earthly throne in Jerusalem. Instead, he hung upon a cross. A Roman cross. And there he suffered as our king. Taking away our sin. He took the pain of your sin upon himself. And today you are free in him. Free from the condemnation of sin. Free from the fear of death. Free from the fear of hell. Not by your own loyalty to him, but because of his unwavering loyalty to sinners like you and me. Two thousand years ago, when the last week of Jesus' life didn't turn out the way the people expected, their shouts of Hosanna quickly changed to shouts of crucify him. 
unwavering loyalty versus our wavering loyalty. They shouted Hosanna on Sunday. On Friday, they were shouting crucify him. Human wisdom says we need a king to defeat the Romans. Jesus' wisdom says we need a king who is God's chosen Messiah who rides into Jerusalem, not on a white stallion, but on a lowly donkey to take a Roman cross and to die a terrible death to take away the sins of humanity. Our loyalty to Jesus is wavering. We are a fickle people. We aren't as devoted to Jesus as we should be. We aren't as committed to Jesus as we should be. It's because our loyalty is wavering. And I believe that our wavering loyalty to Jesus is made known in our source of wisdom. I think there was a certain source of human wisdom at play on the first Palm Sunday. Think of it. Here comes somebody who we see is the rightful heir to David's throne. He's amassing a following. Human wisdom would say that he can lead a revolt against the Romans. But human wisdom isn't God's wisdom. So then their human wisdom works. Here is our king, the one who comes to save us from the tyranny of Rome. But then as Jesus' last week unfolds, uh, their, their cries of Hosanna to David quickly switch to shouts of crucify him. And when they come to Good Friday and their human wisdom, they no longer see him as a, as a king to revere, as a king to praise. But in their human wisdom, they see him as somebody to execute in the most horrific way you can imagine. Human wisdom sees things one way, and God's wisdom causes us to see things another way. Human wisdom will cause the human mind to say, that, that makes no sense. But God's wisdom will cause the human mind to say, to say, that's, that's foolishness. A king riding on a donkey, foolishness. A, a conquering king on a bloody Roman cross, foolishness. Our wavering loyalty is uncovered when we turn from Jesus' wisdom to human wisdom. And even the disciples made knucklehead choices. the time their choices may have seemed correct but apart from the empowering of the Holy Spirit they couldn't make God honoring wise choices it wasn't until, until the gracious gift of the infilling of the Holy Spirit that the disciples could know and feel and act upon the wisdom of God it wasn't until the Holy Spirit filled the church that Peter stood up and preached a bold message of God's wisdom. It wasn't until the Holy Spirit filled the church that their loyalty became unwavering. 
It wasn't until the Spirit had filled them that they would commit themselves to the Lord and to His ways. It's amazing. These disciples went from fearful, hiding, doing everything they could to escape suffering to men who would stand up in public and boldly proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the Holy Spirit filled the church on the day of Pentecost, Peter stood up and he proclaimed the message of the gospel from Acts chapter 2, beginning with the 22nd verse. He said, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Then continuing down with verse 36, Peter declares, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Here ends the reading of God's word. So here Peter. Denied Jesus. Denied Jesus on the night of his betrayal. Uh, Peter who hid. Becomes the man who stands up and preaches the first sermon of the church with all boldness after the Holy Spirit had filled them. How did his loyalty go from wavering to unwavering? It was the work of the grace and power of God in his life. And today I want to talk about Jesus whose loyalty to you is unwavering. Jesus' loyalty to you is unwavering. The first thing that we need to look at today as we look at Jesus' unwavering loyalty is the reality that Jesus is true God in human flesh. He is true God in human flesh. What does it mean that Jesus is true God in human flesh? Well, it means a lot. Uh, way, way too much for me to explain in just one sermon. But what I do want to share is this. Jesus is true God in human flesh. His loyalty to you is unwavering. And this is amazing. 
Because we believe that as true God, Jesus spoke the universe into existence. And we also believe that he holds the universe together by the power of his word. Without Jesus, the universe would come unraveled. We don't believe in a clockwork universe where there there was a creator who created the universe. He wound it up and then left it to run on its own. We believe in a God who not only created the universe, but sustains the universe. He's intimately involved in our universe today. Jesus, true God in human flesh. Unwavering loyalty to you. He created this universe and he sustains this universe. And here, here's the thing, church. He knows your name. He has every hair on your head numbered. He knows everything about you. He loves you unconditionally. And so... This God, this mighty God, this great God, there's no way for me to express the magnitude of his majesty and of his power. He loves you. He knows you. And he is unwaveringly committed to you. The psalmist declared it this way, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? This great and this mighty God, he cares about me and his loyalty loyalty to me is unwavering. So committed... So loyal to you that he took on flesh and subjected himself to mistreatment. Jesus is so committed to you that according to the set plan of God the Father, he willingly subjected himself to suffering. That's how committed he is to you. And here's the amazing thing. He suffered for the fickle souls whose shouts of Hosanna turned to shouts of crucify him. Even those whose loyalty towards him had shifted on the first Holy Week. He died for them. He suffered for the fickle disciples who ran and hid when their Savior reached his darkest hour. He suffered for the soldiers who beat him mocked him, and nailed him to the cross. Completely committed with unwavering devotion even to those who treated him so horrifically. Jesus, the creator and the sustainer of the universe, suffered for sinners like you and me. Jesus' loyalty is completely unwavering. He is totally committed to you. One of the, the best verses in the Bible 
If you can find a better one than this, let me know. Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. Now this is God, creator and sustainer of the universe. He demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the reality that converts our hearts and minds. It's only after the Holy Spirit has converted our hearts and minds through this message of Jesus' unwavering love that we begin to think and feel with the wisdom of Christ. Without being converted by the power of the Holy Spirit through this message of the cross of Jesus Christ, there's no way that we can see ourselves, one another, and our world with the wisdom of God. It isn't until we're converted that we uh, are transformed from, from a fickle people who one day will shout Hosanna to the son of David. Because we look at things through human wisdom, then we begin to shout crucify. The only way we can be converted from, from this, this wavering fickle loyalty is, is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he causes us to see things with the wisdom of God. So we see wisdom in a cross. We see wisdom in suffering. We see wisdom in giving of ourselves sacrificially for others. When we're converted by the power of the Holy Spirit, by His unwavering love, we start to do things that the world doesn't understand. We start to care for others in ways that seem unwise. I mean, you're telling me you opened the, the doors of your church and you let homeless people come in? Don't they break things? Yeah. Does it smell very good in there? No. Why do you do that? Why do you do that? We begin to do things that that the world doesn't understand. We, we start to care for others in ways that seem unwise. We start to, to commit our lives sacrificially for the benefit of our neighbor at the deep cost to ourselves. Those who are truly converted start to love those who persecute them. We see with the wisdom of God and we start to do good to those who do bad to us. We're not vengeful, vengeful people. We're not spiteful people. Yes. We're a people who have unwavering love for others. Just like Jesus. We care for the least of these. We're quick to forgive. Quick to embrace. Quick to love. Doesn't seem wise in the world's eyes if we were to assemble a committee of, of professionals, they would probably say, don't do that. Don't go that way. But we're not following a committee of human wisdom. We're following a committee of one. Jesus. His words. His life, His example. 
And we're committed to Jesus because he's committed to us. And because he's committed to us, we're committed to others. And I want you to know this. We don't serve others. We don't serve God. We don't live in in this Christian, this, this wisdom of Christ because we're trying to earn something from God. Because we're trying to look better than other people. Or because we think that by serving God and serving others that God's going to love us more. We don't do it because we're trying to earn something from him. Did you know that there's no amount of good works that will cause God to love me or accept me more? There's nothing that I can do that will cause Jesus to be more committed to me. And there's nothing that I can do that will cause Jesus to be less committed to me. You see, we live in a world that's based upon upon performance. If you perform at this level, then you get all these good things. But if you fail, you have to suffer the consequences. But in our relationship with the Lord... When we fail, when we sin, when we blow it, he is committed to us with an unwavering love and grace. And it was God's gracious love that compelled him to go to the cross and to rise for you. This gracious, unwavering love. That compelled him to go to the cross and rise again for your salvation. So this week, may we be a congregation who reflects upon these realities. And as as you read your Bible this week, as you open your Bible and as you begin to read through the Gospels of the last week of Jesus' life, take note of who Jesus is. Take note of what Jesus did. That's my challenge for you this week is to open your, the scriptures and read the accounts of Jesus' last week and take note of who Jesus is, the things that he said, the things that he did. You're not going to understand everything. It's okay. But I believe the Holy Spirit has something for us this week. Then we invite you to come back on Friday, 7 o'clock, as we reflect upon the suffering of our Savior. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus... We have this fickle commitment to you, this this loyalty that shifts. That's because we don't see with the wisdom of Christ. So help us, Heavenly Father, to see things through your Spirit, through the wisdom of your Spirit, through the power of your Spirit, that we would understand that wisdom is found in a cross. The wisdom is found in serving others. The wisdom is found in sacrifice. Most of all, remind us that you are the personification of wisdom. So may our lives be ordered and directed by you. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.